Motzei Shabbat, Parashat Vayigash 2021. Let's talk this evening a little bit. Let's briefly introduce the issue of Tahanun, saying Tahanun on a daily basis. The Gemara in Masechit Berachot and Daf Kafteta Mutbet has the following statement. It's commenting on the words of the Mishnah and Adaf earlier, Bili Ezra's statement, that a person who makes his tefillah, tefillat keva, a person who makes his tefillah permanent in some way or fashion, and tefillato tahanunim, his tefillah doesn't have that supplicational side. It doesn't sound as if um, he's requesting much from God. What does it mean to have a tefillat keva? Says the Gemara, my keva. Amar Rabbi Yaakov Bar'idi, Amar Rabbi Osha'ayakol she'tefillato dome alav kemasui. It's a person who envisions or sees the perspective of prayer as masui, it's a burden upon them. As a result, when you pray, if you see it as a burden, it's not going to be supplicational. You're not going to be requesting. You're not going to feel something heartfelt. The Gemara says, furthermore, Rabbanan Amre, they disagree. They have a different interpretation. Kol omra belashon tahanunim. It's a person who doesn't state the prayer belashon tahanunim in a supplicational fashion with the words of Request with the words of wrongdoing, tahanun is a supplicate. Supplication means I'm turning to Agadosh Baruch Hu and I'm requesting, but I'm doing it in a heartfelt fashion. The truth is, the Gemara and Daf Yodzain records different opinions about different rabbis, what they used to do at the conclusion of their tefillah. They used to add in supplicational texts. Some of them we are familiar with. Elokai Nisor that we have at the end of the tefillah is one of those statements there in the Gemara. That appears to have been the earliest rendition of what we call Tahanun today. What about the separate segment? This seems to be talking about making your prayer itself Tahanun. The Gemara says that you're almost adding it on to the prayer. What about what we refer to, less so today, Nefilat Apaim. Nefilat Apaim literally, of course, means your face is falling. If you ever uh, ever frequented an Ashkenazic minyan, you'll see they put their heads down onto their arm. Uh, Interestingly, on 67th Street, Rabbi Shema told me, the rabbis all did an actual nefilat apayim. That's the rabbis, the Sephardic, the Syrian rabbis did a nefilat apayim. There are many congregations of Sfaradim throughout the world, a little bit less so than amongst Ashkenazim. We'll discuss, I have discussed on another occasion exactly why. We'll briefly touch on that in a, as, in a few moments. But that's what the Gemara in several places refers to as nefilat apayim, that tahanun of falling on your face, which is almost a new dimension of prayer. What we did in Amidah was one thing, and then we segue from that into Nifilat Apaim. The Gemara in Masech Bava Metzian Daf Nun Tet Amud Bet. Go ahead. When the Gemara says Tachanunim, it's referring to you asking, which our Tachanun doesn't even touch upon at all. Um, so it's a very different concept. Yes, uh, agreed. Hard to again define the word supplication. Uh, you're you're turning in a beseeching fashion while admitting to wrongdoing of some sort, right? Is it not? Uh, are we not having any requests in it? It's all just uh, introspective. Interesting. Uh, keep in mind the Gemara over there is talking about tahanunim, and yes, uh, the, the the prayers do not directly uh, reflect what we have in our Tahanun. Uh, the Gemara, though, on Dafnun Teta Mudbet in Masech Bava Metziah has the following story. It's a story many of us are familiar with. Hi, it's Haq. The story is the story of Rabili Ezer and Tanur Shel Akhna'e. The story is Rabili Ezer is disagreeing with the Hachamim, the majority opinion. We're familiar with this one. On a specific law, on a specific oven about whether it's Tamer or Tahor, and Rabili Ezer to prove his point. Come on, we all know this Gemara. He proves his point by 
by having a heavenly voice come out of the heaven. If halacha is like me, it'll say so and it says so. That's the final, the final blow. Beforehand, he has the river change its direction. He has the mountains and so forth. He has all sorts of things to prove his point. But the hachamim, so enraged by his way of doing so, against the majority opinion, state lo which is of course the pasuk in Torah. Rabbi Yoshua exclaims that, and they are minadehim. They put him in harem. They excommunicate him. The Gemara has an interesting uh, conclusion. Uh, Concluding uh, episode over there it says the Gemara Ima Shalom de Bitu Derbili Ezer Ahate de Rabban Gamliel Havai. The Gemara says this woman, his, her name was Ima Shalom, uh, interesting name for a woman. Can you imagine if Ima's name was Shalom? Um, and she's married to, she's de Bitu Derbili Ezer, that individual who was just excommunicated. Ahate, she's the sister of Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel was another authority at that time period, a part of this Mahloket. Big heavyweight. Another rabbi, he's one of the Ba'ale Pelukta over here in this mahloka between Rabili Ezer and the Hachamim. As a result, Mehahuma Aseve Elach says the Gemara from that time and onward, from Bili Ezer disputing and being put in Nidui, Lahava Shavkale Lerbili Ezer, Limipala Al Apesh. She would not allow Rabili Ezer to literally fall on his face. In other words, to say what we call Tahanun. All right, why wouldn't she do so? She feared, it becomes clear in the Gemara, that he's going to, through his tahanun, make a request. I know you're right, we don't have much request in our tahanun, but through a heartfelt prayer, he's going to take down the people who disagreed with him. More specifically, her brother. Yeah, that's right, and God's going to listen. He's a person in this sorrowful state. He was put in Nidu, he was excommunicated. God's going to listen to him. Hahu Yoma, there was a particular day, Resh Yar it was Rosh Chodesh, the first moon, literally. She wasn't certain. She thought it was a Chodesh Male when it was really a Chodesh Haser. Or Chodesh she, she, she had a mistake, whether it was a 30-day month or a 29-day month. And as a result, the day which was Rosh Chodesh, she didn't realize... Uh, uh, she she didn't realize uh, that that the circumstance, and as a result, ikada amre. One of two things happened over here. Ata anya. Uh, no, what what happened was ata anya vekae abava apika le rifta. There's a poor person who's standing at her door, and she went to give him bread. Now again, the Gemara says she made certain that he never said tahanun. This day, which she assumes is Rosh Chodesh, but is not actually Rosh Chodesh, so she stops, she leaves him alone for a minute or two. I don't know, I guess he's praying at home. He was excommunicated. Uh, oh, she man. goes to give the poor person some bread. She comes back and he's doing tahanun. Now, why'd she think he's not going to do tahanun? Because she thought it was Rosh Chodesh. Amrale, she says, Kum, kum get up. Katalit le'ahi. You just killed my brother. Her brother being Rabban Gamliel. As this happens, it was very little time. Nafak Shipura, Mibet Rabban Gamliel, the Shachiv, the Shipura, Shofar, a horn goes out from the household of Rabban Gamliel to declare, to proclaim to all that he passed away. Okay, that's the Gemara. Now, there's several significant details aside from this disturbing fact that through his Tahanun someone dies. But the interesting detail specifically is number one, Rosh Chodesh, there was no Tahanun. Of course, that's accepted by us. But why do we accept that so freely? We know that's the halakha, but we have all other prayers on Rosh Chodesh. Some reason, we skip Tahanun. That's number one interesting detail. Number two interesting detail is that somehow his wife was able to prevent him from saying Tahanun. If it's part of the law, 
How is she able to get him to not say Tahanun? Those are the two interesting and curious details here in the Gemara. With regards to that second question, specifically, Ritva suggests that here's how it works in the Tefillah into Tahanun. says the Tefillah has a swift segue against what I said in the speech in Se'udah Shalishi. No transition. You go straight from Amidah Hazarat Hashas into Tahanun. And as a result, what she would do on a consistent basis is when she realized he was finishing Amidah, she'd distract him a little bit. If she distracted him a little bit, he'd say, now I can't go into Tahanun because Tahanun has to be a swift segue from the Amidah. Do you follow? In other words, that was and is the way to envision Tahanun according to Ritva's interpretation. Ritva, one of the great from the medieval time period. That's his interpretation to this Gemara. In fact, Ritva could find support, or we could find support for Ritva, in the words of Harambam in Perikeh of Hilchot Harambam. You see, just to step back for a moment, what Ritva is suggesting is that Tahanun, much like that Gemara and that Yodzayim we talked about, is the conclusion of the Amidah. It's not the way we imagine it. It is, you go from Amidah and you're directly into it. And as a result, no Hefsek. Hefsek is inappropriate, says Ritva. She got him to be mafsik, and he wouldn't say tahanun. Harambam and perekev hilchot tefilat starts off. Shemuna devarim sarich hamitpalel lihizaher bahen v'laasotan. What's that? There would be. Well, we don't have kaddish. That very much supports this. There's no kaddish in between. We're not stopping. It's a continuation of the amidah to the extent again says Ritva that if you stopped, well then he wouldn't continue doing it. Can't say it's hard to argue, but in fact, Shohan Aruch does say you're not supposed to talk in between for this reason. Shema, he quotes the Ritva and Bet Yosef. He's talking about Hamitpalel, a person who's praying Amidah. There are eight important things, necessary things, that you be scrupulous and careful about. If you don't do these things, you're getting the Tefillah. Well, listen, you didn't do the following things. You're okay, it's not me'akev, but that's the right way to do it. And he's got his list. Ve'elohen amidah, standing, nocha hamikdash, facing the mikdash in that direction. Tikuna guf, tikuna malbush, tikuna makum, hashvayat kol, hakiri'ah, and the last one is ha'ishtahavaya. Kiri'ah is what we do in the amidah, that's the bows. What's Ishtahavaya? The Gemara Masech Migilah talks about each of these different ways of bowing, different ways of prostrating yourself. Harambam goes on, and, it, and later on in his Perek, he goes through each of these things and gets up to Ishtahavaya. Ha-Ishtahavaya Kesad. What is this bowing down? Ahar shemagbiya rosho mikiriya hamishit. After you did the fifth bow. What's the fifth bow? So we have four bows. Baruch at the beginning, Magen Abraham, Modim, and... What's number five? Shalom. Shalom counts as You're supposed to level yourself down before doing so. Now, some people come back and they do quick to the sides. You have to start with That's the fifth one. Once you're done with, but the down first is a necessary. That is That is Kiri'ah. After you do the fifth Kiri'ah, Yoshev La'aretz V'nofil Al-Panavarza U'mithanin B'chot Tahanunim She'yaseh. Rambam goes on and he says, that's when you go into Tahanun. It means Hishtahavayah, which comes after Kiriyah is a continuation of your Amidah. That's what he says. What's that? Okay. We don't, uh, this is assuming you're biyahid. If you're, if you're bisibur, okay. I mean, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. We don't go directly in. We have it in a different fashion today. They once used to have it as mamash, part of the Amidah. 
No, they did it as mamash, a part of the Amidah. You were praying, you went straight from your Amidah before Hazara into Anna, or whatever it was. They didn't have Anna necessarily. Harambam writes, whatever Tahanunim Shayir say, Al Piddin. Harambam was something similar in Kippur. That's right. Harambam continues and he writes in Halachat Tetvav, Minhag Pashut. Pashut again means widespread, doesn't mean simple. Lafshit, Peshat means something that's spread out. Bechol Yisrael Nefilat Panim Beshabbatot, this is what we know. We'll have to discuss each of those. But fundamentally, why am I mentioning Harambam? Because Harambam is so similar to those words of Ritva. Ritva told us the way it works when you understand this Gemara properly here in Masechet Bava Messiah is that the Amidah segues you into the Tahanun. What are the words of the Tahanun? We don't have any right now. You called it Anna. I don't know. Shu Anna. Anyway, says Harambam. That's Ritva's take on this Gemara. Rivash. Rivash, his name was Rabbi Yitzhak ben, uh, ben, uh, Rabbi Yitzhak ben Shalom. Ule. Yitzhak Bar Sheshat. Excuse me. Yitzhak Bar Sheshat. He was also a very important uh, Spanish uh, rabbi from the medieval time period. In his Sheilotu Teshubot, in Simantaf Yod Bet, Maran cites this as well. He has the following different spin on this Gemara. He says, You want to know what this Gemara is telling me? This Gemara is telling me that Tahanunim are Reshut. Tahanunim are not the same as the Amidah. Whereas Amidah, either mid Rabbanan or Minha Torah, depending on whether you're Harambam or Ramban Nahmani, and anyone and everyone in between, oh, well, that's Tefilat Amidah. Tahanunim still has the status of Reshut. As a result, I understand what took place here in the Gemara. Number one, now I know why on Rosh Chodesh there was no Tahanun. It's true, she made a mistake, but now I understand why there was no Tahanun on Rosh Chodesh. Furthermore, he says, now I understand what she was doing. She distracted him, she talked to her, she got him into something else. Why didn't he go back? I can say Tahanun, not because like Ritva says, it's a segue from the Amidah necessarily, but rather because in the first place, this whole Chova is not a Chova, Tahanun is a Reshut. That being the case as well, you'll understand the Gemara, it's in Masechet Ta'anit as well, I think on Daf Yod Bet, but the Gemara in Masechet Megillah, which is a, one of the major sources with regards to Tahanunim, tells a short story. It's a story that we know from elsewhere, different details of it. Gufa, Rav Ikla Lebavel. Uh, Rav uh, visited Bavel, came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, Beta'anit Sibur, it was a fast day. Kama, he got up, Kara Sifra, he was reading from the Sefer, Patah, Barich, Hatam, Velo Barich. Okay, that's not the necessary details for us right now. Here's the necessary details. Naful Kule Alma Anpayu. Anpayu means on their face. Everyone did Nefilat Apayu, meaning Tahanun. Again, on a fast day. Now, again, Nefilat Apayu, the reason we use the words falling on your face, as I said already, there was, there's the Ashkenazic way today, there was the Syrian 6th, 7th, and so forth. There was once upon a time, and we know this from texts and from sources, an actual Hishtahavaya. They used to lie down on the ground. There's a lot of lot to be discussed, a separate class, which I did at another time, to trace the history from where we came from from to where we got to. But anyway, everyone's doing Nefilat Apayim. Ve'rav lo nafal alampeh. Rav didn't do Nefilat Apayim. Now the Gemara has three reasons for why Rav was different. The first two reasons revolve around this Isur in the Torah. The Torah says you're not allowed to have an even maskit. You're not allowed to have a specific type of stone in your lands. And as a result, the concept is you're bowing down on this stone. And so as a result, this nefilat apayim, if you're actually bowing down, let's understand it, is problematic if you're on a stone. Therefore, says the Gemara, first answer in the 
Gemara is everyone had, I don't know, carpet or hay or whatever they used to have, on the rugs underneath their feet. Rav was straight on the ground. He didn't do nefilat apayim. Everyone else did. Why not have him move over, says the Gemara, Yaharam, Torah, Sibu, and so forth. The second answer of the Gemara is Rav did a different type of, uh, of Ishtah Havaya than the other people. They didn't do a full one. He would do a full one. This, is, this issue, this Isur of Evan Maskit would be only if you're doing the full one. And lastly, most, most important for us is that Rav was an Adam Hashub. And the Gemara says, if you're an Adam Hashub, that's right, Mabisir, inappropriate for an Adam Hashub to be sprawling himself out like that. And Rav would never do One second. If it's a Choba and Chochmav and Bina, there's no way of overcoming the Yirat Hashem. You have to do what the Halacha is. You're an important person. Mabruk. This is a Zehu Kibodo, like Haram Bam writes in, uh, in the context of Mitzvah Boyotem Bishlucho, right? Generally speaking, we say you're supposed to do something as opposed to sending a messenger. The Gemara gives examples of Masech Kiddushin and Daf. Uh, the Gemara says that you had Rav, you had Rav Safra, they used to prepare for Shabbat on their own. And the Gemara says, why aren't they given to the messengers? It's an assumed question. That is your kabod. And fulfilling God's words is your, is your fulfillment. Fulfilling tefillah in the appropriate fashion is your kabod. That's the greatest honor you could get. Adam Hashub Shaneh. Why shouldn't Adam Hashub be different? Unless it's Rishud to begin with. Unless this is not a hoba. Well, that all being the case, it leaves us in an interesting situation, wondering going forward, which we won't do today, what the particular halachot will be with regards to nefilata paim. We understand reshut already diminishes it. It doesn't mean that it's not existent. When you have something like arbit, the Gemara tells us, reshut. We did classes, we discussed this on other occasions, how the assumption is, Harambam writes, that we were mekabel alenu kehova. We now accept it like a hova. What does that mean if it is Rishut? Well, it certainly means as a result that there are days on which we abstain from doing so. Happy days, days of elated circumstances, celebration, and so forth. It's specifically because it's Rishut. Rishut doesn't mean it's not a mitzvah. It's certainly in our Sidur for good reason. It's furthermore only the statement, as we said, of Rivash. Now, is that a universally accepted opinion? Not necessarily. Tur in Siman Resh Lamed Aleph cites this opinion in the name of Rabbeinu Natrunai Gaon. So it means he traces this back to the time of the Geonim that it might not be considered a Hobat, rather Rishut. Tur furthermore fleshes out, and we'll conclude with this in one last point over here. Tur at the end, he says, the reason that we have these words, we have those words even in our Tahanun today. We don't know. Why? We don't know. It says, We already prayed in every way possible. We were sitting for some of it. We stood. We're following Moshe. I sat and I stood. What's the lashon? One of the two. We don't have another way. We don't have the energy. We've been standing. We're sitting. We're Which means to say what what Tur is st- stating for us is this concept of nefilat apayim of changing the posture is almost a Moshe Rabbeinu approach to tefillah. It's an approach we have. We're putting everything into it. We don't know what we could do anymore now. Well, that all being the case, again, what is this divide between Ashkenazim and Sfaradim when it comes to nefilat apayim? So it goes like this. Bet Yosef here. Yes, and the particulars. 
Bet Yosef in Siman Resh Lamed Aleph over here cites from Zohar. And in Zohar it states the following. It says, if you read Mizmor Kaf He, which is the Lid David, which we do, and you do it with Nefilat Apayim, and you do it right with the proper Kavana, well, you're redeeming the world and yourself and all that sort of, fantastic, we should all be doing Nefilat Apayim. If you do it wrong, you're Mahari Vita'olam, you're destroying the world and you're destroying yourself and so forth. Ah, uh, one second. Says Ben Hai in his book on Parashat Kitisa. He says, you want to know what has a result of that? As a result of that, we'll continue saying Mizmor Kafe, but chalas with the uh, Nefilat Apayim. We're not going to do Nefilat Apayim. Prior to Nefilat Apayim, we have the Yag Midot. We do the 13 Midot Shel Rahamim. Vayavor Avagadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara and Masechet Rosh Shanan Daf Yodzayin Amud Bet cites that those 13 Midot Shel Rahamim, which of course we read about after Chet Ha'egel and Parashat Kitisa, Agadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol turns to Moshe and says to him, Kozman, anytime she Israel, Chotin Lefanai, anytime they sin, say these things. It's not what it says. Ya'asu Lefanai, Kaseda they should do these and I'll forgive them. Says, uh, so that's why we do it. We're turning to God and we're saying, we did this wrong. Let's state your midot shel rahamim. Historically, that's what we did after Haita Egel. The question, though, is, that's a classic question, you know, every time you sin, just say those things. And I'm sure people have tried it and they're not necessarily redeemed. Their relationship is not repaired and so forth. Says Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh in his commentary to the Torah and Torah Moshe, he says, look at the word to the Gemara, Ya'asu You need to do like these. Saying them is not sufficient. You have to act your part. Act Rahum and Hanun and so forth like the Gemara says in Masechet Sotah. That's how you fulfill the Halakta Bidrachav. Imitating God is acting like him. Saying it is not sufficient to be Moshe Cordovero as a result of 16th century Sefat Kabbalist. Uh, um, he has a book called Tomer Devorah. He takes you through the 13 Midot Shor Hamim and he explains to you how you can do it in your own life because that's the that's the critical part. But okay, over here what we're dealing with is Benish Hai Benish Hai Rabbi Yosef Hayim of Baghdad, an important late 20th, early 21st century rabbi. He writes in his book Benish Hai that you're not supposed to, excuse me, late 19th century, early 20th century Baghdadian rabbi. He says you're not supposed to do nefilat apayim because we're nervous about this Zohar. What Ashkenazim seem to have done is alternatively they'd continue doing nefilat apayim. Again Avraham writes this in Siman Reish Lamed Aleph. Again Avraham being Rabbi Avraham Gombina. A lot before Benish Hai. His statement is maybe 250 or so years before him. He says the way it works is we took a Mizmor Vav I think they took in Tehillim and that's what they read instead. So they continue doing nefilat apayim but they don't fear the tragedy and travesties of the Zohar because they're not doing because they're not reading the Mizmor Kafe. So it's only the combination of the two, so to speak. What about if you do them both? Should we be shuddering and nervous? Not necessarily, but Zohar does tell you this is a significant thing. It's for that reason that even Chacham Vadya Yosef, who oftentimes would not necessarily veer on the side of Kabbalah in the context of Halakha, is it the Minhag Pashut already? This is the way the Sfaradim do it. I'm not going to turn back the way Benish Hai did it. What's more is they were probably doing this even before Benish Hai, as I discussed on a separate occasion. To summarize what we discussed tonight is we talked about this matter called Tahanun. The Gemaran Masechet Berachot says you're supposed to have appropriate Tahanunim at the end of the prayer. That's how you make your prayer, not Keva. Bili Eza says don't make it Keva if you want it to be accepted. We talked about its history very briefly as we know it from the Gemara. The interesting strange story Masechet Bava Metzian Daf Nuntet teaches us one of two things. Either that it's a part of the prayer as Harambam seems to insinuate in Perekev El or, and it might be even additionally, it's reshut, it's not hova, as Rivash taught us in his Teshuvot. 
Well, where does that leave us? Several things. First and foremost, we try not to talk in between. Shohan Aruch says in Siman Rish Lamed Aleph. But furthermore, we have... What's that? We don't. I don't know about you, you. fantastic you, but some people, they come back from the Katkwanim and they all start talking and hacking, so the Halakha and Shohan is try to keep it as as clean one into the other. Yes. But that's what I'm telling you from Al-Sheikh, it's not sufficient. You start like that, you introspect, you think, who am I, what do I want to do? You then go into the Tahanunim. Tahanunim afterwards is Le David, the Nefilat Apaim. Le David, Mismur Kafe. He wrote that in his, in his uh, Tehillim. Fantastic. So, what in Tehillah Le David? You're getting ahead of me. What's the content of the Tahanunim? Give me another class. But oh, what I can God. tell you right now is read the words and you'll I understand do. it's a beseechment. You'll understand it's turning to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and speaking to him from heart, from, from the heart, from a heartfelt, passionate prayer and plea. And that's what Tahanunim truly is. And uh, as, as I mentioned... Okay, of course it's going to be so because I'm turning to you in a very passionate, pleaful fashion saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're my God, and lo I don't know what else to do. I just finished my prayer. Might be the shoot, but this is a continuation of sorts of my prayer. I don't know what to do any so longer. I, I stood, I sat, and so forth. Because ultimately, so... I'm telling you, ultimately speaking, it is reshut. And to be pleading in such a fashion on Shabbat, ah, haram, not appropriate. On a day on which I have excitement and, 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 and excitement and something happy as well, since it's reshut, I say it's going to impinge, it's going to be inappropriate. If you do so, okay, nobody's going to kill you. Well, some people will kill you. But ultimately speaking, if you do so on a day of Berit Milad, there's no Isur per se, there's no tragedy, no travesties that are going to be affected by doing so. But we say since it's Reshut, you shouldn't be doing it then. It's inappropriate to the day. It's a day of elated uh, spiritual joyfulness as opposed to the pleading, sorrowful uh, petitionaries of Tahanun. Uh, that, in my mind, is the introduction to Tahanun, as we know it. Go ahead. The day of elated... However, you want to state it is is assumed by is specific. It's not correct. It's my birthday. Correct. So Charles raises the point and day says, day. "Listen, to talk about that identity of that day, to call it a shoot, is one thing. But a shoot has its own ramifications." I say it all the time. We'll turn this into a musa. A shoot really is a shoot. I'm gonna. That's right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna explain to you what a shoot is. Here's the musa of the class. All right. A shoot goes like this. Ramban Nachmani. We maybe have mentioned this in the last class. I don't remember. At the introduction to Parashat Kedushim, we did right somehow. It says, "What's Kedushah?" We're always, all the mitzvot bring us to Kiddushah. What do you mean, Kiddushim Tihiyu? What does it mean to have Kiddushah? Says Ramban, it's not just Perushim in Ha'arayot, as Rashi cites from the Midrash. It's rather that you not be a Naval Birshuta Torah. You can drink kosher wine. Extremism. And have one second, and have kosher meat, and have kosher relations with a woman that's kosher to you. But you do it above and beyond. But it's reshut; it's permitted, is it not? Even within the bounds of reshut, there are still qualifications. There's still a structure. There's still instructions. It's as Hakadosh Baruch Hu says in the very first sivui: From all the trees of the of the garden, you can eat. However, don't eat from Etzadatov. That's a Sivui that I'm allowed to eat from the trees? Tell me it's a Sivui that you're not allowed to eat from Etzadat. That I'm allowed to eat from all the trees? That's a Sivui. That's right. It's the same point. Even within the bounds of Reshut, there are instructions, there's structure, and so forth. And therefore, as we read in Haram Babin 
Okay, Alacha Tetvav was it of Hilchot Tefila? A specific day, specific circumstances. Why it's use not. The it's not because Why? It, because again it is Reshut. But I'm telling you, it has Chova within it. But it's Reshut as opposed to Chova, which has no Reshut in it. Again, on these days, you're not saying it because it is Reshut. You don't like these in between realms, but it's who we are as human beings. We're never black and white. <laughs> We're always Ger Vetoshab. We're always Chol Hamoed. The Ben Hashem Ashot. That in turn is Tahanuna as well. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.